Nathan Chan, you may have heard of Nathan Chan. He won uh, about a week ago. He won the U.S. Men's Figure Skating Championship at the ripe old age of 18. So now he's on. Uh, he's got that gold medal in the U.S. Now he's on to the gold medal in the Olympics. And, you know, I guess if you're going to win gold medal in the Olympics these days, you have to be under 20. I don't think that's a, a rule, but it just seems that that's the way. I mean, you're getting younger and younger all the time, these Olympic champions. It's, it's pretty amazing. But to me, what's really interesting about Nathan, and you may have seen this on the news this past week, is not so much that he won the, um, the gold medal in terms of the U.S. figure skating, but they had a clip of Nathan eight years ago when Nathan was 10 years old. And when Nathan was 10 years old, he won the U.S. Novice Championships. And so here you have this little guy. I mean, he's just about this, you know, this size, 10-year-old guy. And, and, and he has just won this championship. And he's won this championship. The uh, reporter is talking with Nathan. And the reporter says, well, kind of, Nathan, what's next? And, they, you know, it's like Nathan's like, well, I'm going to go to the Olympics. And he goes, oh, my gosh, he's a 10-year-old. You know, going to the Olympics. And then it, and it's like, and the, well, what Olympics? Well, 2018. You know, it's like, I thought, man, oh, man, here's a kid. He's 10 years old. He already knows that in 2018, he is going to go to the Olympics. And voila, there he is, you know. I mean, eight years later, of course, voila. You know, it's a little period of time in there. But, you know, I look at Nathan and I say, you know what I see in his life is that you and I can move forward in life, but what it takes is focus. You and I can move forward in life. We can make progress in our lives, but what it requires is focus. Now, what we know is that gold medals are great, but what's really important in life is not a medal. What's really important in life is our maturity. It's who we are as human beings, you know. I mean, it's, it's the quality of who we are as a human being. That, that's what's really important in life. Who we are. And we call that character. That is our character. And what happens is that we grow in our character. And we kind of grow for the good or we kind of grow for the bad. But we, we do move forward. And that's what's called character formation. And so what we looked at last week is that, you know, that there is that character formation is happening within each one of us. And as, as something is happening within your life, in the church we talk about the condition of your heart. You know, that's, you know, spiritual language. That's theological language. But what's happening inside of you, it's happening in your life for, for things to begin to change deep within in a powerful and a good way that what it takes is someone from outside of your life. What we believe here in the church and what all churches believe is that the, the force that shapes you and I as human beings is the love of God in Jesus Christ. And that's God's gift to us. That the most powerful force that forms you and forms me is the gift, the force of love. And so in faith, what we do is we begin to open up ourselves to that force of love in a way that it begins to form us. And, and since it's the transcendent that is forming us, we talk about transformation. Transformation. As a possibility in my life, as a possibility in your life, God's working in my life, God's working in your life. You know, that is true. But as you and I move forward... What that requires of you and what it requires of me is focus. 
It's focus on how God would be forming and how we would be growing and how God would be maturing. And so the psalmist today gives us this invitation to focus. He says, one thing do I ask of the Lord. He's beginning to focus in on what's happening in his heart and his life and the condition of his heart and his life. He says, you know, when I focus in, focuses down to one thing that I ask of the Lord, and this is what I'm going to seek after. This is what I am going after. One thing. One word. The way that God would work in your life, in your heart. One word. Now, I don't often preach a uh, how-to kind of sermon. You know, I don't often preach kind of the process, you know, practice this process or teach this technique or this tool and, and um, you know, carry down the road like this. But I'm going to do it today. Uh, so today you're going to get a how-to, one, two, three step kind of sermon. It's a little bit different, but, but that's, it's okay, right? Sure. Uh, <laughs> so how long I waited for that answer. And uh, as I do that, what you don't have to worry about is, is missing something because we provided you the cliff notes here in the bulletin. So when you go home, you don't have to, what did he say about point three? I don't remember what he said. You know, uh, you don't have to worry about any of that. It's all right here. So you can, you can listen and you can, don't sleep. No, don't do that. But, you know, you can do what you need to do because it's right there. And as, as, you, as we work through it, as we walk through it, you know, the point is for us to begin to focus in on how you choose a focus for your life, how you choose that focus of one word. And, and the model, the image I'm going to use, if you like images and models, is the image of funnel. Because what happens, you all know, is a funnel is really wide at the top and it goes to a single stream at the bottom. And so the whole notion here that we're talking about is, a, is about uh, a fourfold uh, funneling process in terms of choosing your one word. And, and the, uh, the top of the funnel is always broad. And so the first uh, uh, beginning stage of the funneling process is, is what I like to call the description process. And here's what happens in the description process. And I should back up a little bit and say to work this whole thing, the only thing you're going to need is a, either a spiral notebook or a pad and a, and a pen. That's how this whole thing works. So anyway, at the beginning of the process, what you do is you ask yourself this question. Think about a person that you admire. And then you ask, what qualities do I admire in that person? What traits do I admire about that person? And make them one word. You know, what do you admire? And I, I would invite you to kind of think about a public figure. Think about a figure that was instrumental in your growing up. Think about a person that maybe more recently in your life has been a blessing to you. Think about, you know, three people. And for each of these people, begin to say, what what are things about that person that I admire? Uh, and then begin to list them, begin to write them down. This is a brainstorming process. And let's say, you know, it's Martin Luther King a day tomorrow. Let's say you pick Dr. King. Let's say, you know, one of the things I admire doc about Dr. King is he had a vision. He had a dream. And so you write down the word vision. Or you write down maybe the next word dream. He's a man of courage. 
So you write down courage. Man of faith, you write down faith. You know, I mean, just, you see, you get the, you know, thing. You just, you look at a person that you admire and you begin to start writing down words about their character that you admire. Now, don't think yet about, oh, I can't have that in my life because that's not who I am. That's not where I am. Don't, don't go there. Don't limit yourself. We're opening up the, the top of the funnel needs to be really wide. So you go ahead and you start to make your list and you just list it down. Make the, see if you can fill up a whole page. That's a, that's a great thing. Just, just go ahead and do that. And take a number of days to do that. So you write down those, you know, who do I admire? What is it about them that I admire? And then as the second part of the week unfolds, what you do is you look at yourself. And as you look at yourself, you say, what do I need in terms of who I am? where I would like to grow in my character, where I would like to develop. You know, I never look at needs as negatives. I just don't. I look at them as opportunities for the ways that God can go to work in your life, God can go to work in my life. And so then you begin to list those too. So at the end of the day, what you have is a big, you know, hopefully a big long list from the lives of others and from the life of yourself. You can see if there's any places where they correspond or when they overlap and, and, and take a week to do that. You know, God, when he made the world, God took a week, you know, six days and then one day to rest. I invite you six days and one day to rest. And so write and rest and pray. Just let the whole thing percolate. And so we come back next week. And so let's say you come back next week. And at the end, next week, what you got is a whole page worth of one words. Then we move into step two. And step two is a defining process. And what we do in step two is we look at, those, at that list. And, and as you look at the list, you say to, you know, to yourself, hey, are there either five words or seven, whatever, however many you want to dig into, I would recommend five. You know? But you say, okay, what are five words off of this list that I really resonate with? You know, that they kind of talk to me about things that I would think I could begin to like to see in my life. And so what you do in the defining stage is you look at those five words. And as you look at the, those five words, what you want to do is define those five words. And you want to define them in terms, you want to give a dictionary definition. And so the first thing you do is you, you know, grab out your Webster's or whatever. And you see what Daniel had to say about that word. And, and not only don't simply read the definition, write the definition down. And there's something about writing something down that kind of brings it forward. So, you know, write down the definition. And, and do it for all your words. Do it for the five words. You write down the definition. So you see what the dictionary says, and then see what the Bible says. And the way you see what the Bible says about your words, you try to find Bible verses that go along with your word, that have your word in the midst of the Bible verse. And I know that that can be kind of daunting and hard to do because I'm thinking, well, how many Bible verses do I really know? And, and um, in, you know, how many of them could I say, well, that word is in these three Bible verses, you know? And on your cheat sheet, there's a help for that. So if you were asking yourself that question, what you'll see is on the top, uh, back uh, page two, uh, on the back side there, number three, BibleGateway.com. That's the preacher's friend. I just want to let you know. Um, whenever, you're, whenever I'm looking for a particular word in the Bible, you look up Bible.gateway.com. has a keyword search. You write that keyword down there. Bingo, all the words. Every Bible verse that has that word, uh, it, it's, it's right there. And so that's, that's, that's how to do it. That's the fast way to do it. And so I would just uh, recommend that. 
So you, you get some Bible verses, two or three Bible verses that have your word in that verse. And you may say, well, you know, I picked a word that's not in the Bible. And you can find that. I've picked words and you type them in there and it, does, it doesn't show up. Well, then what I would do is pick a synonym. You know, something that kind of means the word that, that you're looking up. Because, you know, one of those synonyms very well may be in the scriptures. And so you begin to find two or three scriptures that kind of begin to center you in in terms of what the Bible says about that particular word that, that you're considering. And then the last definition, so you write down those verses, write down those two or three verses in, in relation to each word. And then the last thing you do is that you write down the definition in your own words. Because I want to tell you there's something about writing a meaning in, your, in what you think in your own words that, that really makes it come home. And so what I invite you to do is that second stage is define. Say, so pick five words, you define those five words in, in that way, and you take a week to do that. And maybe a word a day. And so you come to the end of the second week, you've gone through the definition stage. Then you come into the third week. And in the third week, it's called the discernment stage. The discernment stage, we're getting really narrow here. And as we get really narrow, you're asking yourself two questions. And the first question is this. It's the impact question. If this happened, if this happened, what would my life be like? What if this particular quality were part and parcel of who I am? What would my life be like? What would my relationships be like? You know, what would my marriage be like? What would my relationships with my kids be like? What would my you know, relationships on the job be like? What, what would life be like if? What's the impact? See, because you need to know that this can make a difference. This is your so what. And when you have a so what about something, anything in your life, you know, the stronger the so what, that's what will lead you into engaging in, in pursuing that word. You know, it has to be a strong so what. It has to be a strong sense of this is the difference it will make. We, we were talking last, uh, a couple of weeks ago about this one word concept in staff and somebody brought up a particular word and they said, you know what? It's like wearing a wet sock, you know? And uh, what that means is it's going to be awful, <laughs> you know? And I don't do that. You know, if you come to a place where you come across a word and, and you're thinking, oh, the difference is going to make and everything is going to be awful, don't, don't go there. What you want to do is go with a word that has impact. You want to go with a word that excites you. You want to go with a word that has energy for you. You want to go with a word that begins to lift you up because it's about you and it's about what God's going to do in your life. And so that's the discernment process. You ask the impact question, what if this happened? And you ask the energy question, how does this excite me? How, what kind of enthusiasm can I, can I, does it bring forward in my heart and life? And then the fourth stage getting down to the bottom, the choosing stage is determine. Determine your one word. And as you and I determine our one word, I invite you to think about the scripture verse today where the psalmist says, one thing do I ask of the Lord, and this is what I'm going to seek after. See, you've been through a process for about three or four weeks. We've been narrowing, 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 and then you come to a point where you make a choice. You say, it's one thing. It's one word, God and I together.
and we're going to seek after this. Now, I wanted to share three things very quickly about the one word. <laughs> it's amazing how preachers can, can uh, talk at length about one word. But here's the three things I want to say. First of all, sometimes people panic when they come to this stage and say, oh, man, what if I pick the wrong word? You will not pick the wrong word. Yeah. In fact, every word at the top of your funnel, they're all right words. God can work in every single word that you picked at the top of your funnel. And so part of what you want to do is you want to trust the process. You want to trust your thinking. You want to trust your work. You want to trust you and what you've done. And you want to trust God that that word is going to be the right word for you this year. You know, next year you can pick a different word, you know. But this year, this is the right word. So the first thing to do is to trust. Second thing to do is to believe. Is to believe that when you pick that word and when you work on that word, that that change will begin to come forward in your life. We had at staff, we laid out the whole process this last week. We got to the end of the process, and it's it's really it's really great when you can be in in uh, in, in a staff where you lay it all out and you come to the end of the whole thing and you're really pumped up about what you just said. And then somebody in the staff says, "Well, that's nice, uh, Paul, but you know what? I don't think people really change." You know, I don't think people really change. You know, the leopard doesn't change its spots or whatever the saying is. You know, I don't think people really change. You know, and I hear that. I hear that. And here's the way I interpret that. I don't think I can change. See, it's not about everybody else. It's about you. about me. That's a statement that says, I don't think that I can change. You know, there was a character when I grew up, Popeye. Y'all may know Popeye in the cartoons. If y'all, you know, I'm dating myself now, I know that. Popeye had a bunch of sayings, but one of the sayings Popeye always had, and y'all, if you know Popeye, you've heard this saying, I am what I am, and that's all that I am. You know? And and I understand that because as I've gone through life, what happens is, you know, I start to make peace uh, in myself about particular things. The good part of me, the bad part of me, you know. You you go through life and you start to make peace and you're thinking, oh, why am I going to go in and kind of re-upset that apple cart? You know, why am I going to go back and kind of open up things or whatever? I've made peace with who I am and change. It just just seems, you know, just kind of outside of where I am and who I am. And I understand that. But here's what I think God says to me and to you. I'm not done with you yet. I'm not done with you yet. I love Philippians 1, 6th verse. goes like this. God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to the completion in the day of Christ Jesus. God who began a good work in you, each and every one of your hearts, each and every one of your hearts, is going to bring it to completion 
in the day of Christ Jesus. And guess what, friends? The day of Christ Jesus hasn't arrived yet. (laughs) God's working. God's working. And what we're asked to do is to believe that, not in some kind of theoretical way, but in a personal, experiential way. Second thing, I'm going to ask you to believe. To believe not only in the process, to believe in yourself as a person and about how God can transform and work in you and me as a person. So second thing is belief. And the third thing is there is a breakthrough. There is a breakthrough that comes with your word. I don't know what God's going to do with your word, but I know that there's breakthroughs that are related to your word, and you'll discover them as you go across the year. And where you see that, you see it in the psalm this morning where the psalmist says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I want to tell you, that is not a statement that you make at the beginning of your faith. That is a statement that you make at the end of your faith. That is a breakthrough statement. You make that kind of a statement out of verse 4, where the psalmist has sought one thing. And the one thing that the psalmist has sought, when you look through verse 4, is there's this word, one thing if I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek after, to dwell. He wants to dwell with God, abide with God, be with God, be in God's presence, to behold the beauty of God, to see amazing things in life, not simply be you know, in the temple, but to behold the beauty of God in the world around him and to begin to, to inquire of God, to begin to understand how do we move into that beauty and, and how does love work in my life and, and to inquire. And so what the psalmist says, you know, I'm, I've asked of this. And when, you, when he's asked to dwell in that one word, that's how you come into the place where you say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. That is a conclusion. And it begins with a focus. It begins with formation. It begins with believing. Believing how God is at work in you. And so what I invite you to do, what I'm going to invite you to do over these next months is get out your pen, get out your paper, and get out your pen, you know, and start to make your list, to start to work through it, and begin to see what God is doing in my life and in your life. You know, we're going to close with one of my favorite hymns, and it's, uh, Be Thou My Vision, O Lord of My Heart. And the second verse goes like this, Be Thou My Wisdom, and Thou My True Word. Be my true word. Be my one word. Be the word that leads me forward. Because, you know, friends, when they talk about Jesus, He is called the Word the word that becomes flesh back in those days so long ago the word that becomes flesh in you and me today and in the days ahead one word